This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 382, brought to you by C2E2, Paul Cornell's London Falling, and iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 382. I am Josh Flanagan, and with me is Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Connor Kilpatrick. Hola. I wish I knew more Spanish. 
I, I want to be able to respond to that with a string of, of Latin words. <laughs> anyway. I read the scripts. That's all yeah. I do. You, you put anything there. At iFanboy.com, we like comics. That's why we started the site. We read them because I don't know how you would like them otherwise. Uh, well, actually, yeah, I do. And it's, it's, uh, I, I, don't, I don't buy it. Every week we read a bunch of comics, and then one of us picks the best one that they read. We call that the pick of the week. That goes up on the website, iFanboy.com. And then we talk about that uh, at the beginning of this show and other books from the week, stuff that happened, some other stuff, some questions, other, other blanks of the blank, uh, depending on your, your subject and time frame. Um, and that's what's going on. Before we get started, we're going to talk about what happens in these comics. So if you haven't read them, uh, we could maybe uh, make that experience less than for you. So come back after you've read it or, or, or forge ahead boldly. Um, that all said, uh, Paul, you had the pick of the week. And I, it was uh, – was it neck – just how to go? Well, I think I think we can all agree that in terms of current events and comic book quality, this week was kind of a bastard. Um, yeah. It's kind of a shit week, um, but that shouldn't take away from Captain Marvel number twelve, which is my pick. Which might, you know, even even on you know a really strong week, would have been a big contender as well because it was a really great issue, and it just happened to be at the very bottom of my stack this week. Shazam! Um, Shazam! Ah! Yeah. Um, we'll talk about him later, actually. Oh, I didn't read this one, so it's not Shazam. No. Um, this is this is the lady Captain Marvel. Oh. Uh, this is Carol Danvers. The broad. And, yeah. And she's, uh, I, I wasn't going to go into gender <laughs> issues, but she's no, this is a really great character, <laughs> you know? Okay. Listen, we angered some Canadians. We might want to soft pedal this one. <laughs> okay. Thank you no guys jokes this time. No jokes. so much. At least one person said I'm never listening again. Which is Which is fair. Is it? Well, it was me. They were they were pretty dumb jokes, and we <laughs> seem to be pretty aware that they were pretty dumb jokes. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, hey, Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm done. <laughs> Captain Marvel number twelve uh, by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Christopher Sabella uh, writing. I don't know how exactly that the their you know scripting duties break down, uh, but they're working on it together. And uh, and then the art is uh, Philippe Andra- uh, Andrade. Um, who's amazing, and I first saw on the Marvel John Carter Princess of Mars book. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, really, 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 really pretty, and it doesn't look anything like a Marvel superhero comic book. Um, well, I, I didn't read this. I know, obviously, Paul did, and I think, Josh, you did too, but I am leafing through right now, and this is amazing. That I mean, the art's amazing, but for, on the one hand, but the other hand, it's amazing that they, they allow this art on a superhero. It's main, shocking, in right? In superhero book. Yeah. And uh, actually, I believe on, on Twitter, Kelly Sue DeConnick said that she owed one of her editors or someone a stake for getting to 12 issues well, um, that too. because she bet that they wouldn't make it. Um, this is, uh, you know, this, f- I, I think, for a lot of us. Um, <laughs> kept the book alive just for the stake. <laughs> starting, starting the series, um, it, was, it, was a, it was a bit rough, and I don't think, I think, I think the art turned a lot of people away. Um, now for the second arc, uh, Philippe Andrade's on there, and uh, that's a that's a big big part of it. And and it looking so different. Like I I said in uh, best panels of the week this week that it like if you told me if you showed me one of the establishing shots from this book that doesn't involve the superheroes, I and told me that it's like from Black Sad from like the next Black Sad book um, or something European, I would have believed you. 
Um, it just doesn't look like anything mainstream at all. And it's beautiful. And um, I've heard some people were kind of turned off by this art style. It's it's very unusual. Well, you can definitely see that. I mean, there's def- it's yeah. not for everyone. It's not a mainstream style whatsoever. It's, it's, this is a style more at home with image, you know. You could see this guy drawing another arc of profit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but we are we are tastemakers, and <laughs> and uh, no, and this is I I, th- I think it's it's extraordinarily beautiful, extraordinarily beautiful. But also the story's really good. It's um in this arc, Carol Danvers is grounded. She has there's something going on with this special Cree lobe of her brain right there in the middle of her head, and there's some kind of lesion there, and we don't know if it's cancer or something else. Um, we actually have some clues as to what it is involving uh, some villains, but. Um, She's been told by her doctor that you can't fly because it's only going to exacerbate the problem. And and so she is stuck flying around on this Stark Tech flying Zamboni it's, hovercraft. It's, it's, it's exactly what Hawkeye used to fly around on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's and and it, she calls it a big flying lawnmower, and she's and she's really embarrassed by it because this is this is a world class pilot, and she's flown fighter jets, and she's also one of the most powerful superheroes in the world. So uh, there's there's a really nice um, sublime kind of metaphor here about you know a woman who's learned to fly and gone through all the ranks and gone through the glass ceiling and everything, and then also has become a superhero and a world class superhero and an Avenger, and now she's being asked to stay out of the fight. And stop flying. And um, the only way Carol Danvers would do that is if she could, you know, w- get away to get back in the fight without flying. So she's got this crazy doohickey that she's riding around on. And there's a Death Bird character. It's not, it's apparently not the real Death Bird. It's a character pretending to be that. I was not familiar with this character. I'm not so steeped in, in Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel history. Um, but there's a great aerial battle in this. And Philippe Andrade draws the shit out of it. Um, it's great scenes of verticality and, um, and, and extreme grace and also like how, and also how awkward it would be to be a person up in the air flying around on a lawnmower. Um, cause you, you think that in your head, like that looks cool. You're on like a flying machine, but it would also be really awkward. So mm-hmm. I liked that that was captured as well. And so there's a... You Depends know, a lo- on how many lawns she's mowed. Right. So uh, a lot of great heart in this book. And then just the visual style is is spectacular. Um, unfortunately, this is, I think, the last issue he's going to be drawing for a little while. But I read on his blog that he's going to be coming back for another arc after they do kind of an Avengers crossover thing. Now, you re- you've read this from the beginning? Uh, no, actually. I jumped on. Uh, people had, were praising this. And I heard Philippe Andrade and that name, you know set off a signal in my head and i went back and read just this arc i feel like we we uh, back at 10 or 11 we did we we yeah. talked about it wasn't it, it was 10 we didn't talk about 11 but uh but 10 yeah and um i don't know i, I i'm i'm shocked and 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 very impressed with marvel that they let this out of the gate well i mean i see what you're saying but at the same time as there's no shortage of great artists over there now. It's absolutely true. I'm yeah, but they're they're not that far off the beaten path style stylistically as this is. It really is good looking. It's funny because <laughs> what what you said, Connor. You just said you were you were looking at it. I mean, that's exactly what I said when I started to read it. I was like, "Sheesh, <laughs> who is this guy?" Right. Yeah. Uh, and I and I think for me that was the the main attraction. Um, I I can't say I love the story all that much. Okay. Um, I thought you just topped was, on this one though, right? Hmm? You just hopped on this issue? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. so obviously there's there's something about that. It does um, it does an okay job of getting you 
like up to speed. Um, yeah, but- no, I, I wasn't I wasn't lost or anything like that. I just I wasn't grabbed, I suppose. Um, the the question that I had, the thing that I thought that they were leading up to, and maybe this was the case, but I just didn't catch on to it, was the the fight that she was having was, was that all a hallucination? I feel like we were being led to believe it was going to be, and then it wasn't. That's a really good question, and I hadn't considered that. <laughs> okay, good. That's that, that makes me feel better. Because at one point— Well, no, he, no, because, because— There's a very dramatic page turn where he's like, like something about, do you know about the, the hallucinations? And they cut back to her in the big fight, and I thought, well, maybe none of this is happening. Right, there's that, but then I, I did think of that because then the scene with, with Rose, the, the elderly woman, and then the, the big reveal, big bad, who I've, I've never actually heard of, I'm sorry. Um, Me neither. Is, uh, but it, it, whatever. Um, they're sitting on a bench, I don't know if it's this issue or the previous issue, and they're looking up at the sky and they see it. They see the two of them fighting, and he says, which one should we root for? Mm-hmm. So other characters well, are What if they're it. a hallucination? You're in a hallucination. What if we're all inside the kid's head from St. Elsewhere? Who's who's Jan Rog? Is that a, is that a Doctor Strange villain? That's a Captain Marvel villain. I actually oh, okay. I, I Wikipedia it. He's uh yeah the 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 original uh, Marvel Captain yeah. Marvel villain, and and also he sense. played a big role in in um the accident I think that that led to uh, Carol's. Transfer. Yeah, I don't know anything about her because she just showed up one day in Avengers comics, as far as I was concerned. And, I would I would recommend. But she was Warbird. Right. Yeah. I would I would actually I would recommend going back to the beginning of this arc and I think that the trade for this is coming out next month. Mm-hmm. Um so if you go back to the beginning of that there's a there's a great structure to this where she starts taking like like notes she has a calendar for each day and she crosses things off and it's a really nice structure and it also introduces you to her extended cast which is great and there's a there's a lot of warmth to those people and um and she has a cat that she takes to the vet, and it's a lot of great character stuff. And, what happened to her mullet? Uh, she think, doesn't have a lot of hair. I think she's, it, she's back to being like the blonde bombshell hair. I think I think Marvel editorial has some some issues with the hair because apparently the cover for this one was also redesigned to change her face and the way her hair worked. So I think they were hearing some complaints you know on the forums or whatever and decided to to go back on that and give her more of a, a traditional hairstyle so well, there you go and yet this book looks like it does and you know so but on the covers a little Dirty bit bel-air colored it yeah Be- beautiful colors really beautiful yep. um nicely slightly washed out but the reds have a, have a pop to them yeah let's let's stay on the rank of captain i mm-hmm. did that intentionally Slide over to Captain America. Brilliant. I feel One like the, he still outranks her. Well, yes, he outranks even Havoc, who was his leader. I thank God for Captain America. One of the few books I had this week that I enjoyed. <laughs> it was a bad week, uh, but this is the only, this story continues to be fun. My only concern that's something to, starting to creep in is that we're at issue six. Yeah, and it's and at the end of this issue, it's still to be continued. Eight. Um, I think. Seven or eight is my guess. Seven or eight is long, but that's, I, you know, that's that's without me having any idea. The right. co- the cojones on this guy, Rick Remender. Um. I'm enjoying it. I just, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, he's learned how to take uh, some hits uh, from he, he the from the Fanarati. Yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, this isn't as drastic as you know uh, Frankencastle, but yeah. it's, I mean, it's the same it's, kind of spirit, the same kind of idea that he's taking the character completely out of his element, and. It's 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 almost a deconstruction. I mean, he's got a beard. It's been a decade. Yeah, he's old. 
Yeah, I, I like that. Although, does he age at the same rate? Anyway, uh, so what I do you loved do, this. What do you, what do you think? Do you think he, you know, because eventually he's going to get back to the real world. I mean, does he remember all this? Does doesn't matter. Okay. I, I mean, I think that for a little while they'll play it out like he does, but it'll get forgotten and whatever. That's fine. Like, you know, like Avengers Forever or whatever weird thing that takes them all off into somewhere for a while. It's like the time Jean-Luc Picard lived a whole life in another reality and then it was didn't count but he had the flute i might be mixing yep. up two episodes i don't know no that sounds right he had, um, he had kids and a beard josh talk about why you love this so much i like the part where he shot the girl in the face <laughs> <laughs> because i like she was completely convinced that he wasn't going to do it and i was like she had a, she had a, that was a great page by ramita because yeah. it's all in her facial expression you know she yeah. just has this smug self-satisfied look on her face when he's pointing the gun at her that he's never going to do it. And then just a close-up on, on Rogers' face as he pulls the trigger and there's a blood, there's like a yeah. mist of blood. Uh, well, like the thing is, is that typically he wouldn't do it. But this is not a typical story. He spent 10 years in a Arnim Zola hellscape. So, you know, and it's about, this This story isn't about Steve Rogers in our world. This is, you know, about him another one. And, and if he didn't do it, that's that's leaving it on the table. Right. Because he had to. There's no way. There's no way to tell that story and not have him do it and not have it be a cop out. Like he he's angry. It changed him. That's the whole point. So this is one of the reasons. Like I don't think it's gonna remember it because I don't think it's gonna be a thing that they're gonna be like. Remember when you killed that girl in the other dimension, Steve? But right. for this story, whatever. Shot her in the face with a space gun. Shot her in the face, and also like shot her in the face. Not not as a way to get away from somebody. Not as a way to save, save people. Life. Yeah. Just. Just cause, just cause, fuck her. <laughs> really, I mean, that's really what it was. He he did it out of spite. Yep. And I, I, I was, you know, like that's a bold choice. And once it's again, scary too. It's in the same way. It's it's like you know when you're always when they do those Superman gone mad stories are scary. Yeah. It's the same thing with Steve Rogers when he goes to that dark place. You know, it's terrifying. Yep. I just don't want to be the guy in the Marvel universe who has to write the official biography of or like ghostwrite the official biography of Steve Rogers because his timeline is really messed up. Well, don't forget that Steve Rogers does all sorts of things that you can't keep track of. He hates NASCAR. He, uh, he keeps <laughs> he's been files. dead at least two times. He keeps yeah. files on everybody. Uh, he's killed almost as many children as Batman. Let's talk he, about Dean White. Um, yeah. I, I love the coloring, especially I'm still looking at that one page where he shot her in the face. And yeah. I love the contrast of his hair and his sort of reddened skin. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whenever, whatever abuse he's taken in the atmosphere, his, his skin's gone kind of pinkish. He's ruddy, and uh, or maybe he's just a drunk. Maybe he's just becoming <laughs> drunk in the future. But I just love the contrast. This is a, this is a, this is a great looking book. We talked about the art before, but the colors are wonderful as well. It's it's funny because there's certain pages that are kind of flat, and then as the tension ramps up, the the colors get a little more uh, intense. Yeah, just a little more textured, I guess. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not totally into the Zola look, the the frighteners thing where he like his head comes out. Yeah, I'm not right. totally into that. But. Well, he's he's evolved in this other world a lot. That's the way I look. At. I love the stained glass uh, page. Yes, that was, that the, was a, the like the prayer to Zola. Yep. That's, that's kind of cool. creepy. That's just good. So, really, really fun. I, you know, I'm I'm with Connor. I'm not sick of it, but uh, it's no. It's, I'm not sick of it either. I just would, yeah. you know like an endpoint. Yeah, it's it's time to it's time to reel it in. Hey, a third captain is in Captain Marvel, although we call him Shazam now, who is the backup character in Justice League. See how it all ties together? 
If you want it to, yeah. I'll find a third, a fourth one for the next book. See, you think of that, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really enjoy Justice League 19. This is uh, a good one. Um, there's some interesting politics going on with, with Wonder Woman and Superman and, and super sneaky Batman. Yeah. Just snooping on people. And he's like, I'm going to tell on you guys because you can't be canoodling. People are not going to like it. Batman's it, creepy. It's, uh, it has that feel that you, you want from a Justice League book. It, it's got it's a sort of a globe-trotting action story. There's great character dynamics between the, the, the members of the team, but there's also a, a mystery to solve. Um, also, you've got the new members coming in, and that you know that it reminded me a lot of Grant Morrison's story when, when Green Arrow showed up on the team and he had to save the day. Yeah, yeah. Sort of the classic way to introduce a new, new character to the team, and this is the same for the Adam and Firestorm. Who explain, show up on, explain her powers to me. She shrinks. But she can go into multiple, multiply, multiple, massively that was multiplayer a online strange. role playing uh, games. The thing with the Adams characters, they always so he he can do strange things. He can travel through time, uh, not time through um, telephone uh, lines, which don't exist anymore. Um, apparently, she can go into the Adams of a video game and play it. Who knows? This that is does, that doesn't make sense. This is like in the last issue where he had the fight with uh, the serpent guy, Serpentor. Serpent? No. Yeah, it was Serpentor. Serpentor. No, it wasn't. Serpentor. That's been. from G.I. Joe. This I command. This. The snake guy. And the snake guy said, you know, I can't, I can't snake hear eyes. you. That was snake eyes. No, it snake. wasn't. It was not. Did at any that. point did he invent pizza? <laughs> no. There's, there's three pieces, see. <laughs> Here's another thing I like. Okay, so we've got, we have to deal with all of these scenes of Batman and Alfred being sad about Damien being dead. Right. And I kind and you know I'm not a huge Jason Todd fan, but I kind of like in the scene with Jason Todd that he doesn't know how to deal with Alfred being sad, and he's like, get, "Can you get him some some tea or something? Like that would make you feel better, right? You're English." Yeah, but I also I also like the fact that he felt cause they get attacked and Alfred gets beaten up, and that he he still feels guilty in the face of Batman. Like I I know you're disappointed in me. Like he's he no matter what he does, he's still the son that's just craving the attention, which was always the fuel for Jason's fire. Uh, you know, he doesn't. He's never been uh, had the approval he wanted, so he still can't break free of that. Wasn't he literally like the red-haired stepchild of the Robin family? Like that's. Yes, I think that's the metaphor they were going for. Bruce, with the actual Bruce, shock of red hair. Bruce dyed his hair black. Yes, um, but I, I like this quite a bit. And also, the the, the backup stories continues to be pretty great. Um, I well, I thought the palpable fear in Billy was really strong in this issue. And also, he just doesn't want to be Captain Marvel or Shazam. He does not want to fight Black Adam. He's just yeah. he will he will do anything to not be in this position. But he's in it. And also playing of the fact, and, and so Black Adam's a kid, right? Like, so he's, he's also a kid. He's also he's basically the evil kid version of yeah. So this makes sense. Kind of, yeah. And I so I, and I like this little ensemble of all the kids in the Batson family and really playing that up. And um, so there's not quite a runaways vibe to it, but I, I kind of like that it's coming from. It's it's a kid's philosophy and how they see how absurd, you know, the adult world is and, and all the fighting and superhero stuff and they just want, you know, to have fun. Yep. So I, I'm excited. I, I was excited to see they're doing a collection of that, of just the uh, Shazam story. I have no Captain uh, segue to Daredevil, but uh, all of this, like, that Chris Somney is the captain of art. Tip of the cap. Tip of the cap to Chris Somney. And Mark Ooh. Wade. <sighs> Josh, you really like this, Josh. This was this, oh, this, and is, this was this close is, on a week that that has um, 
has Chris Somney getting I, pretty much the only mainstream uh, uh, Eisner artist nomination for Penciler Inker. Uh, uh, didn't David Eisner get one? Yeah, him too. Yeah. But I could equivocate here for a while, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Um, I just, I just thought with this issue, I thought he put on a he put on a clinic mm-hmm. uh, over and over. You know, it, he's been good in this all along, but I think as he's really settling into a groove with this book, um, you're seeing you're seeing really great things on these pages. And there were numerous like this was one of those things where we're reading through our books and we're always looking for stuff that we can put in our best of the week in panels. And there were there were like a dozen examples of things that you could have said something we, about. Just you know, what, I almost moments. suggested that we do a Daredevil only yeah. best panels uh, feature because we could have very easily done it. Mm. Uh, the one that I pulled out to feature is, uh, you know, he's he's swinging over the Brooklyn Bridge and the and the bridge behind him is upside down. And I was like, how come I've never thought of that before? Like, right. how come how come we haven't seen that a hundred million times? But the, just that force pers- that perspective of, uh, you know, where Matt is as opposed to the the world. Um, and it wouldn't that, that wouldn't bother him because he can't see right. right? So yeah. I mean, you have your internal equilibrium. Brian will have to weigh in on this, but uh, but that but isn't part of it your vision and grounding yourself. So yeah, and it's just your orientation him. of the thing that you're used to. And when you throw that too far out of whack, it makes it hard to get your bearings. But if you go to the next page, like that whole next page, every single panel on that next page is great. From the first one, that's that's a silhouette of the kid dying to then the split of Matt's head as he goes through all of his different senses uh, mm-hmm. to then the reflection on the one after that, the cracking reflection, and then that gorgeous, you know, red silhouette bit at the, at the bottom, like that whole page. I mean, look, look at that. That that's, that's an award-winning page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you keep going, then you keep going, you go to the next page and you've got, you know, all these hand-drawn uh, uh, sound effects as yeah. you're going through there. And, 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 uh, and the panels are, are breaking into these things where he's focusing on little different parts his hands or, or his, you know, his radar sense and eyes and things like that. And then you get into this really brutal fight that sort of lasts for a really long time. It's, it's a ninja fight. And, you know, this, this is reminding me of, of Frank Miller on Daredevil more than any of the other stuff that we've gone through. You know, whenever we were reading Paulo Rivera and going, this looks great, I never thought this reminds me of Frank Miller. Um, and it, it isn't like he's aping him or anything. He's just taking elements of it that are fantastic. Uh, and as I, I just went through this, it's just it's a it's a gorgeous book, and it it feels like Daredevil in in a way uh, that I don't think even the more traditional way, but by pulling in some more of those uh, elements of of how they were showing how Matt experiences the world. But if you just like little like when he's in the sports store uh, and and he pulls on the the sprinkler. And the guy's sneaking around, and he thinks I've got him now. And there's they use three really quick panels to show him reach for the baseball bat, yes. and that's really interesting pacing. And then you get that killer last panel where you know try the red one. So at first I'm reading this, and and I'm just thinking, wow, Chris Somney's really tearing it up on art. And then by the end, I was like, you know, I I, I wasn't even paying attention, but by the end, Mark Wade had put together a hell of a script and a single issue story, also. And a great new villain. Um, yeah, I mean, what a jerk he's wearing. He's wearing his dad's robe. Um, it continues to be a wonderful book, and no, no disrespect to the original artists who we gushed over completely. But this team working together makes me forget that they weren't on the book the whole time. I, th- I think it took. I think it took them a little bit. Yeah, it did. to transition. And now you know. Now it's something else that's real good, but it's still real good. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, this is a, this is a sweet spot. I mean, the stuff that the training stuff with uh, with Stick. Oh, what a also a jerk. <laughs> 
<laughs> Stick's a jerk. That's what he. That's his. That's his charm. Um, now, if you told me three, uh, see now I, I can't even say three months ago because I don't know if Nova's coming out monthly or what. But if you told me three issues ago that I would be loving the Nova series, I would have called you a liar. But I am. I really love this book, and just because we know things about how things work, um, and how closely tied in the the movies and the comics are now, you know. This is clearly the setup for Nova as a character that's going to be a big deal in the movies because they're basically they've turned this new character into the Spider-Man-esque version of Nova and uh it's working out really well. That's a really um, good point. You know what? It's it's a wonderful refreshment is how I yep. put it. Um <laughs> No, it's just it's wonderfully effervescent and No, it is. <laughs> it's fu- it's fun. It's 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 got that spark of a the young hero learning the ropes, but in a really fun, not at all dark way, and it's it's it, the tone totally not like other, a lot of other books. There are other books that are light like this, but not you know we're still in that everything must be serious and dark mode, and this is not like that at all. It's not an and not in the all the way to the all, all ages side, but it's still it's fun. It's just super fun. You guys are still looking at Daredevil. Well, continue to do that. That's <laughs> oh, fine. Sorry. That's fine. I mean, this was this was great. This was thirst quenching. Um, it was. Uh, I liked. We had a great. Seen with the Watcher and how weird that character is, and then, mm-hmm. and then just flicking Nova at, to the other edge of the galaxy. It was by Jupiter, right? Is this invasion yeah. force is coming? And uh, the Shatari again. I think this is. I mean, if you, I can yeah. see mm-hmm. them introducing uh, Rocket Raccoon and Gamora in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then taking this story and using it as a basis for uh, introducing Nova, because it, you know everything sort of ties in, and, and then the Shatari are there, and and. Jeff Loeb, the writer of this book, is also an executive at Marvel exactly. Studios. I can, yeah, I can I very much that. see this being the basis for how they introduced Nova as the, their movie Spider-Man. Yes, when, this is the when pitch. you say the Shatari, I automatically think of the Nemoidians. Mm. And I mean, they they have the big the the like space whale things, the slugs that were in the Avengers movie. I know exactly. who they are, but when I try to picture it in my head, I just see, oh no, there are two of them down there. <laughs> There's no. a lot of there's a lot of space whales coming. Yeah, I know, but it's just like it's it's not, not even two like, of them. they're not even like I'm sorry. They're not even just like Mar- Marvel, you know, ambiguous kind of space aliens. These are the characters from the movie and yeah. so that that they're headed that way. And I and I like that idea that it's this kid and you, and and it's not just like a young man. This is a kid and he's being like forced into the deep end of the pool. Uh with the watcher and being sent to the far end of the universe. And that's, that's kind of cool. That's it's very like 80s sci-fi movie. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's, I was surprised he was the one in the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. That's me catching up a year. Well, after. They're, 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 they're paving the way. Yeah. They're, they're really laying it down for Nova. He's going to be, I think, I think that's what I think. So you're saying there are not two of them. No, there would be jo- one. Josh, tell me what I would be doing if I was traveling next week. Oh, well, <laughs> You were traveling, and I recommend. Uh, I, was like, I was worried for a second. I was like, I don't know. Said, oh, you would go to C2E2, which is the premier Comic-Con in Chicago. That's next weekend. This is a big one, I think. Yeah. I think it's it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger and bigger yes, show. Is. This, is, this is the first big show of the season. I think, uh, and, and, and people take it pretty seriously, there's going to be all sorts of announcements and stuff that we've heard coming up, so you don't want to pay attention. But uh, if you're in the area, you want to be uh, April 26th, 28th in uh, Chicago at the West Building of the McCormick Place. Comic guests include Brian Azzarello, Kieran Gillen, Rick Remender, Paul Cornell, Amanda Connor, Andy Diggle, Chris Burnham, Brian Wood, Jim McCann, John Lehman, Mike Norton, Tony Moore, and 
tons more in the Biggest Artist Alley at any convention. Uh, if comic guests aren't your, your bag or that's not enough for you, then they've also got a lot of stars from entertainment. Uh, Adam West, Brian Posehn, Julie Newmar, uh, The Walking Dead cast, not all of them, some of them, uh, and a bunch of wrestlers uh, like Diamond Dallas Page and Jake the Snake Roberts, who had snakes on his shiny pants. Uh, don't, don't, so don't get left out if you haven't bought your tickets. In if you, uh, you can buy your tickets for advance, but you can try to get them at the door. A three-day pass is only $55 if you pre-order or 65 at the show. But again, buying in advance is going to guarantee you entry, but the door, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll be so important. Maybe the Jake the Snake fan club will be there. You don't know. Uh, get to C2E2.com to order your tickets and all the other information about the show, the panel listings and things like that. And uh, you'll see everybody else who's going to be there. Again, that's April 26th to the 28th in Chicago at the West Building at McCormick Place, C2E2. It'll be a good time. I was talking to a creator, and they were telling me that this is becoming the new show for creators. Like they're, they're eschewing San Diego for this show. I can see that. Hmm. Uh, so that's it's becoming bigger and bigger. The first year we win, it wasn't so big, but the guy, it's getting bigger and bigger as we go. So C2E2, check it out. Definitely. Um, I, I just wanted to mention really quickly, BPR, I hate these titles, BPRD, <laughs> Hell on Earth, A Cold Day in Hell, Part 2, Number 106, eh, whatever. Man and uh, X-Men. I think it's BPRD in Hell on Earth, Number 106, A Cold Day in Hell, Part 2. Yeah, but it's actually BPRD 106. It's stupid. Man so and X-Men. Yeah, it is. Uh, they well, they changed the paradigm, so they had to write Hell on Earth in there, and I feel like they're stuck with it now. And if I was the editor, I would just yank that because it, lo- it looks really intimidating. <laughs> it does. It does. It doesn't help expand their base. Uh, but what does is that one of my favorite artists has been doing this little mini, which is only I think it, it's a two issue. Uh, was uh, Peter Schneeberg, a guy who I don't see his work enough. Um, yeah, where's he been since uh, since the Alpha One book? Sweden, probably <laughs> doing paying work on European <laughs> books. Probably. Probably. I mean, and, and and who can blame or him? anything else? Yeah, anything, almost anything. He's very, he's a very accomplished uh, uh, illustrator. But uh, he he did it. He showed up here, and he's got that great clean style. And um, this one of the, I really like this new character, the the Russian director guy, who's sort of a zombie, I guess. He's a, he's dead, but he's in a suit, uh, and his body won't die. And they've uh, reintroduced uh, Vavara, who's the terrifying little Russian child doll vampire thing um and she's very scary and this was a this was a this is just a fun little story of one of the agents uh out out in russia and i think it'll have larger consequences uh but it was really nice looking too uh mara number four by brian wood ming doyle jordy belair uh this is i think the best looking issue so far um and also this is you know the continuing story of this girl who she's a professional volleyball player in the near future far future i don't know um but it's it's a real you know it it sort of pains me to say like a grant what it would really be like to be a superhero um but i think brian wood is of the sensibility that he can pull that off and it actually does feel like you know what it would be like and he's also and the far future thing adds a little bit of an element to it so it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to feel entirely photoreal to the culture of today. Um, God, that sounds boring. Um, no, but this is this, <laughs> this no, this is a re- this is a really interesting book. Um, this is so the Mara character. She's 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 had these latent abilities, and she's becoming more and more like this this Superman, or almost. I don't even know if she she might be heading toward. Is this a sports book? 
This is the one that people are like, I thought, this, I thought this was the volleyball book. She, th- she has other parts of you know, her life. She plays volleyball, and she plays volleyball at the end there. Um, but uh, Or that just might be a pinup. That's a guest pinup. I'm sorry. Um, she's flying into space at the end. <laughs> that's, that's quite different from playing volleyball. Um, and basically, she's, work- she's with this agency that's sort of like S.H.I.E.L.D. They even have kind of a helicarrier, and they're basically telling her, you know, you're going to be our secret weapon. You're going to be sort of like, you know, in um, – even the the original uh, JSA Liberty Files where, like, Superman was this, like, s- totally secret weapon that they brought out and it totally changed the game and the war and everything. Um, Mara, the idea is she's like their trump card. She's like the thing, like, Watch when... Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, and I'm thinking, is she headed that way in terms of her powers and is she transforming? But the but the big thing is this this government agency, they, they, they're uh, ostensibly, um, like make like getting rid of her as a as a citizen and she's just going to be this person that stays at their facility and when they need to um you know have a have a dick swinging contest with another country they say we got our superhero she's going to mess you up and then they back down and so she basically has to stay there and they're not even going to tell anyone where she is or that she's alive or dead and the big thing is she has a brother who's in the military and she's very concerned like what is he going to think He's go- he's not going to you know stop until he finds me. You have to at least tell him about it. Can I go and talk to him? And no, I we're not going to let you do that. And um, so yeah, so it's it's a lot of um, political intrigue and burgeoning superpowers, and uh, it's it's going interesting places. But no, not a lot of volleyball. Sorry. Was there volleyball in Little Depressed Boy sixteen? There wasn't. Um, this was one that I. Uh, I feel like that'd be a book there would be volleyball in. Yeah, of, but he um, wouldn't like it. No, he would be used as the volleyball because he's made out of like a soft does, thing. He does look like that. Yeah, he's a rag doll. Um, so I, I mentioned this in uh, Light Week, hoping that this would be you know some kind of warmth and uh, and, and and warm and fuzzies uh, on a on a week that was was kind of shit from the beginning. And uh, this was maybe not the best issue to recommend as uh, as heartwarming and, and fun. Um, not a whole lot of levity in this one. This is. Uh, little depressed boy LDB is dating his manager at a movie theater, and uh, there's a guy who who also works at the movie theater, and he sees them canoodling, sort of like Batman in Justice League 19, and tells on them, and then they have to talk to the big boss, and he says, "Well, uh, you're not supposed to be fraternizing. Uh, you know, a manager should not be, you know, dating one of her underlings. That could that opens this, this is up. the HR issue. This, it's a whole HR issue. It's it's really an issue about <laughs> HR." And by the end, um, they walk away. They're they're not fired, but they're suspended from their job. And they go to bed together. And she's facing the wall, and he's looking up at the ceiling. And it looks like she's not too happy about the status quo. And does she value the relationship enough to, you know, let it go against her her job? Her, you know, even if it's being a manager at a movie theater. Well, I question your your categorizing this book as a fun book. Because all I've ever heard of it has been depressing. Because it's got an entire It's bittersweet. There's there but there's see it's like it's on the opposite end of the spectrum from Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim's on uppers, this one's on downers. But they're both romantic and about music and relationships and um there's a sweetness to it. This happens to be an issue where it's they're on the real downturn and uh hopefully brighter days ahead for a little depressed boy. It's called depressed. I it's <laughs> partially ironic i don't know it's the challenge She's i don't think it is I, I think it's depressed 
It's like, it's like Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown in the Peanuts, like Charlie Brown is kind of like – in real life, Charlie Brown would have killed himself many decades ago. But with – but he's also – it's about triumphing over that and I'll get the, you know, the little red-haired girl one of these days. Speaking of triumphing over things in a title that sounds hopeful but is not, uh, let us go to revival number nine. Let's do that. Uh, and uh, one of the many books that Mike Norton is drawing or drawing part of. Um, and this is – I've spoken of this before and I just wanted to check in again. Uh, I really like this book. I think there's a really large cast and a, a sort of big swirling story. That's actually it's a big story, but it's made small because this town has been quarantined, and uh, we ended up with a really sort of harrowing cliffhanger at the end of it. And uh, and he's just getting to know these people more, and they're sort of small town. Uh, the way that their relationships swirl in and out of each other. Um, there's like a lot of plates in the air for this book, and. Uh, it's it's just sort of a. It's, I'm not reading anything like it, and and I don't I don't know if enough people are. Feels like a TV show. A little. It feels well, like I don't know. Yeah. Which, which I guess they've been selling it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was my first one. Um, and that was a mistake. Yes. Um, but maybe not. Um, because yeah. I, I want to go back and read the rest because I thought this was great characterization and like right. a huge cast and. Um, yeah. No. It's it's really. I think technically and and craft-wise is really well done, and it it's uh, it's really interesting. And the good thing is, by having read this, you don't you're not really you didn't lose anything. No, I'm not going to uh, remember <laughs> some of the plot. No, but even um, so, like it's not about plot twists really so much. It's about you know this on your. If you look, there's a ton of words on these pages, but it doesn't it doesn't read slow. It reads really interesting. It's like I really a, like the scene between the sheriff and uh, and the gun nut guy. It's like a redneck soap opera kind of thing. There's a lot of relationships it seems and yeah yeah it's good it's fun it's but good. with i'm with going back a different kind of zombie because there's not enough uh bandit number four which what's the what's the milestone on this for the uh i believe for the Osners first it, digital it feels like the first digital comic that's been put up against uh sort of regular old print comics because mm-hmm. the digital only there's no there's no print version of it yet which is really this? This is like when a Pixar movie gets put up for Best Picture, and they're like, "Oh, you know." Ooh. And you know what? Pixar is a, is kind of a good kind of a good touchdown there because this this is Paul Tobin and Colin Coover. This is a Monkey Brain book. I went back because I saw it on the list, and I was like, "This looks kind of interesting." And people were talking about the fourth issue being this week, and I think you can go on Comicsology and you can pick up issue one for free. That's correct. During the time before they announce the winners, I guess you um, do not need an iPad; you just need a computer. Yeah, just oh. I read it on my uh, laptop, and then I read the the other three. Um, and it's it's about a French burglar um, <laughs> with a heart of gold, um, and and it's 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 you know it's French, so there's like a there's a, a French cat burglar who sort of reminds me of, oh, is it the Silver Fox? That yep. Spider-Man yep. one? And, and so he's like an older guy. He's called, I uh, love that character. And then she's Bandette, and she has these urchins who help her out when she's in trouble. And also the like the police detective, uh, uh, our commissioner, calls her in um, when, there's, when there's trouble and he doesn't know how to solve it, um, even though she is a burglar. Um, but I guess she her first, you know, in the, in the first issue, the first person she went after was, I think he was a, a crime boss and he had a bunch of Rembrandts and she was stealing the paintings but they didn't belong to him in the first place um, and then also brings up another sort of interesting thing um, I, I don't know exactly I guess it's for adults because the first scene she catches him having sex so it's a bit body for young readers well I guess it you know depends um, you mean the ones who are sexting all the time that's true 
Well, I mean the the super. That's all young I know ones, about the young, the young ones, just the, the, sexting all the time. Like it's it's a, it's you know it's that watercolor kind of style and and very cute. And so you'd think maybe this is for a very young audience, but not not really. Even though it has sort of it's it's young at heart kind of thing, and uh, you know a little bit of Tintin in there. Not not super substantial story, kind of a, a, a like a trifle in the way. It's but it's 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 fun and clever, and um, she fights a matador in this one. Um, Strong. It's it's yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, Check it out. I mean, the first one's free. So those are the books of the week. We uh, we had some trouble putting this list together. I'll be honest. <laughs> we we had to pad it out. Uh, but those, you, there's other books that came out. You can talk about them at ifanboy.com/slash/comics, where you can go and make your pull list every week. You can rate and review your books, and you can choose your own pick of the week. And we run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the users. Uh, number five, Daredevil, End of Days, number seven, with three point five percent of the votes. And these are votes at the time of recording. Four was Wonder Woman 19 with 4.6%. Three was the Superior Spider-Man number eight with 6.1% of the votes. Number two, Justice League 19 with 15.3%. And the runaway number one choice from the users was Daredevil number 25 with 51.2% of the picks of the weeks. So there you go. Also, I found out com slash comics, you can make, you can write a user review. And we like to read a couple of those in the show. First up is Ghostman, who reviewed Wonder Woman 19. He had a story of five out of five and the art of four out of five. And as we said previously, Wonder Woman 19 and 4.6% of the Pick of the Week votes. Ghostman's review says, Reading Wonder Woman these last 19 months has been great. The story taking place feel, here feels so much removed from the oppressive and tedious ones playing out right now in DC's New 52 universe. It amazes me that Azarello has been able to keep the barbarians at the gate while crashing in for so Oh, It amazes me that Azarello has been able to keep the barbarians at the gate from crashing in for so long. Diana's characterization is light years away from that of her in Justice League, her doppelganger there. Where in Wonder Woman's... I, I can't position this behind the microphone anymore is what I've learned from this from review. <laughs> I've got to move to the side. Diana's characterization is light years away from that of her in Justice League, where in Wonder Woman's being played out for those 14-year-old fanboys' attention spans. Not here in her own title, though. Here the Amazons portrayed in such a long, strong-willed and caring and empowering manner that I feel this should be mandatory reading for all new-coming comic readers, both male and female. This comic shows us that tits and ass does not a superhero make. Female superhero make. This was, a, this was actually a really lengthy... Uh, That's really rough review. for you, Tom. <laughs> I had positioned the laptop behind the, the pop screen of my microphone and was thus reading it through that, and that was a problem. And this is just a small section of the review. I really appreciate the, the thought Ghostman put into this, and, and he also reviewed uh, Justice League. Um, but uh, I think, and I think actually the, the, the metaphor might be uh, Azarella is the barbarians at the gate. Probably. Yeah. But, 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 yes. Although I don't know. I don't know it's, about handing yeah. a new comics reader. Here's, three, here's two years of comics. This no, I wouldn't one. hand them Wonder Woman. <laughs> No. Also, uh, Azarello isn't going to spoon feed you anything. So good luck. And again, I really, I really like the sort of not will they, won't they, but interesting kind of sexual tension between uh, Orion and Wonder Woman. Um, did, she, did she grab this junk in I the think room she with did. all the other people? Yes. Yeah. But not in a fun way. Not in, in an awful. Way. In an awful no, way. Depends. Depends on what you think of as fun. I liked the reveal. Well, you, th- you think about how Orion grew up, and he might be into it. I like the reveal when he, when his face turned into the you know the the Kirby angry face. All right, and then Harpier writes of Francesco Francavia's The Black Beetle, No Way Out, number three, story three out of five, art of five out of five. 
Pick of the week percentage, 1.8%. As ever, Frank Avia's artwork and design is immaculate. His color schemes are beautiful and variable, and his visual pacing perfectly matches his storytelling. Each issue has had a slightly different panel design preference, and here it exploits the box both within and across the page boundary to great effect. However, Frank Avia may conclude his pulp mystery. He's certainly established a tone and aesthetic with storytelling legs and a hero whose own mystery is even more intriguing than his quarries. I'll be, I'll, I'll be uh, interested to see where he takes his character next because it's it's sort of like it feels like a character that would have a long backstory because he's like a pulpy character but he's just starting out with them sort of i mean he's used them before but um, there's, a, there's a lot of ground to cover there's a lot of ground to cover with that and uh the stuff he's I, I've, I've read a bit of this and the, and the stuff that he's doing with um the secret identity is is quite interesting um it's not it's not super clear cut uh interesting book you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can write your own user review and perhaps get it in the show if it's good. This episode is sponsored by London Falling, the new novel from Paul Cornell. London Falling is the new urban fantasy novel by Wolverine of Saucer Country writer Paul Cornell. It's the story of a unit of modern undercover police in London who accidentally gained the power to see the magic and the monsters and decide to use real police tactics against them. It's out now from Tor Books. It's been recommended by authors like Greg Rucka and George R.R. R. Martin. He's, he's some little unknown writer I've never heard of. <laughs> I bet you try to read this in a British accent and that you're going faster than you normally would. May cause sudden death in supernatural beings. Ask your doctor if London Falling is right for you. Nice try, Paul Cornell. He thought I was going to read it, but I didn't. You can get this book through iFanboy. We've got a special link for you. We'll put it on the website, but I'll read it out for you. It's uh, http colon slash slash ifn dot by slash pcornell. That's C-O-R-N-E-L-L. To get London Falling by Paul Cornell, and I recommend that I got on my dot dy. Oh look, Paul! Uh, some Michael Caine's come to read that. We'll we'll uh, keep that at the bottom of your screen throughout the rest of this episode. Cornell. So check it out. London, okay. Call, London Falling. Let's read the book in a month. For which month? It was April still. It was April still. It was April still. You can no longer lord it over us that you've never blown a deadline of book of the month. Just one, though. Just one. Well, you chose an interesting one. I did. I went with uh, Peanut, um, written by Ian Halliday and illustrated by Paul Hoppe. H-O-P-P-E. Hoppe. Hoppe. Hop. Uh, from Schwartz and Wade Books. So this is uh, a quote-unquote real book from a uh, non-comics publisher, but it's, it's, a, it's a YA graphic novel. And you might be asking yourself, but Josh, this doesn't speak to my very specific demographic, um, and that's true. Um, this is a this is a like I said, it's a why book. It's a story about a girl who uh, changes schools in high school and gets it in her head that she is going to uh, tell everybody. Her special thing about her is going to be that she's deathly allergic to peanuts, and she was almost killed by one one time. And 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 of course, being uh, the the way that high school can be, uh, it sort of spirals out of control, and 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 the, she loses track of all the different sort of lies that she's telling, and the new friends, and the stuff that's going on, and uh, you know, it's probably going to get discovered, and then she has to deal with the fallout from that. Um, it's you know, it's really so, sort of a basic um, high school kind of kind of story it's it's done it's sort of done with uh young adults and 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 also adults in mind when it when it's made so it's it's not very heavy um but it it's it's sort of charming and as i was going through it first of all when i when i i sort of got this i was looking through it and i, I just i just don't read a lot of comics like this anymore and it well, felt like as we were going through the 2000s 
you know, the the the, the term of indie comic was always like, oh, it's just going to be some like sort of high school autobiography. It's not autobiography, but it, it may as well be. Um, it's it, and it just I I was just sort of charmed by it. I was like, I like stories like these. I haven't I've been reading them lately. Well, it's interesting because um, you used to you used to always say you didn't like stories like those. You weren't really interested in high school tales anymore. And whenever Ron or I brought up a book that was in that that genre or framework, you always said it wasn't for you anymore. Um, I th- I know what you're saying. Um, I think I mean more like the just the sort of tone of of a graphic novel that's sort of just about some people, mm-hmm. uh, done in a, in a in a cartoon style, and okay. it, it's sort of I've gotten. I, I like I like some sort of simple cartoon stories sometimes, and and okay. I, I feel like I haven't been reading any lately. So it kind of brought me back. Um, it made me think of some of the sort of indie books that I I really liked, you know, a while ago, and how I haven't really found anything like that in a bit. Um, you know, the uh, the the thing that got me uh, right away, like I said, was the art. Um, this this Paul Hop. It's uh, it's fairly straightforward cartooning, but one of the things I found really interesting is that uh, there's a bunch of characters in here, and they all they all look completely distinct from one another. You don't get people mixed up. It's not that thing where you, where people draw just a guy. Um, the main character, Sadie, is always shown wearing uh, something red, either whether it's her shirt or her sweatshirt on top of it. Like she's always so – all the pages are pretty much in black and white. Uh, but that she's is helpful always, in, in these books. It really is. It, it, you always it, – you, you you're not really aware of it when you're reading it, but it's sort of always there as a, a helpful signpost on, on a given page. But even so, like – the other pages, the other, um, and it's not like they're, the the characters are drawn sort of strangely or whatever. They're just distinct enough that you sort of always know who they are, and you're able to keep track of a lot of people at once, even though they don't have superhero costumes on. Um, and I just is that I, the, book, is the book set in Smallville. No, it's just so that could some, explain it as well. Let me let me ask you this. Yeah, how, how does it hold up to uh, the harrowing saga of Bill Haverchuk's peanut allergy? On it's not as, it's not as funny. Not as fun, yeah. But that was it was definitely there was definitely some uh it was familiar in that part where uh if you remember he was he was uh slipped a peanut by the bully uh whose name I can't remember, but he's one of the scariest bullies in the history of TV. Until he's he's one of the most real bullies in the yes, history of TV. Totally is. Because he's also a loser. <laughs> he's yeah, not like a exactly. jock. And he reminds he reminds me of bullies from when I was a kid. Anyway, that's Quincy that's is the actor's name. There. I remember that. Um and, and Bill is is slipped a peanut because the guy doesn't believe him, right? Uh, and and then he ends up in the hospital because he'd gone into anaphylactic shock. Uh, but in this one, basically, the girl is out and she sees somebody with a medic alert bracelet. She's like, that medic alert bracelet looks really cool because kids are always looking for something that will uh, differentiate themselves from anything else. And the girl goes on to explain to her how she uh, is allergic to peanuts and that's why she wears the bracelet. And and she gets this idea. And sort of, you know, sort of blurts it out like uh, she's trying to find something to say about herself. So she says, oh, I'm allergic to peanuts and I almost died and then has to tell everybody that. And there's the mean girls. It's not it's not Shakespeare, but it's enjoyable. I read it sort of in one sitting and I went through it and I thought that was just refreshing and it was it was interesting. But even more so, you know, maybe you listening to this right now are not the audience for this book and that's fine. But there is an audience for this book and it's probably somebody, you know, and and like this is the kind of thing that can get people to read comics. If you had a, a teenager, a preteen, you know, niece or nephew or son or daughter and you wanted to read something, you can try this one. Um, the, the, it, the book's really nice. Like it's got a great sort of design on the cover. Um, it just, it looks like a, it, it looks like a book that's, that's going to be cool to read and pick up and, and you don't, you don't get like a comic book, um, 
stereotype about it. It's just it's just a, a fun story about real people. And uh and I, I dug it. I just I haven't I haven't had this flavor in a in a long time, it feels like, which is certainly on me, uh, to a certain extent. But uh, you know, you get wrapped up in all this other stuff that we end up paying a lot of attention to. And then sometimes it's nice to dial it back and uh, I'm gonna try to do that a little more often. Good. Bill Haverchuk was bullied by Jack Klugman? Yes. Yes. Wow. I guarantee you that he watched Quincy all the time. He had a great bike. Oh, Haverchuk, definitely. 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 So you can go to ifanway.com. You can read Josh's full book of the month review there uh, for the next two weeks anyway. Who's up next? I believe it's Paul. Email. No, e- I, I believe you're up next. Let's not, let's not steamroll over this. What? I believe you have the next book of the month, don't you? Oh, yeah, I do. You know what it's going to be? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. Exciting. Knowing is half the battle. Paul, read the first email. Email. Rob writes, I'm going on my honeymoon in a couple of months, and I know I'm going to have a lot of time sitting on a beach, so I'm looking for for a good series series to read. I know you get this question a lot, and I've answered it a good amount of times in the podcast, but I always take that input and read that stuff. All right. This is a very short answer. Don't take comics on your honeymoon. (laughs) Make love to your spouse. I just think it's funny. He's clearly never been married before because he thinks he's going to get through some pages without being asked to do some shit. Even when I go on vacation and it's just me, I don't – and I bring books, I never get to read them. I'm always doing something else. I find – and this is going to sound sacrilegious, uh, but unless you're talking about digital, I find that comics are not the best thing for traveling. They're very heavy for the amount of time that you get out of them. That's true. You finish them really quickly, and you got to carry that goddamn book around. The rest and then of the, the light ones—if you have them on the beach—they're of such paper stock that they're going to wilt or dissolve. Yeah. I Plus, you should be you should be making sweet love to your lady. I agree with the sweet love part. I mean, this is what you're doing. You know, it's do it on the beach. Take uh, take uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. That'll that'll take <laughs> you the whole time to read. Read Watchmen again. Seriously, if you haven't read it, read it for the first time. If you haven't read it for a while, read it again. It's one book. It's pretty dense. It'll sort of it, – it's close to novel speed. Or bring Sex by Joe Casey. <laughs> He's, he actually – this is there's a longer email, and, and he has, like, listed some things that he likes. And he said all the, you know, the greatest hits and, you know, Scalped and Why the Last Man and, and all, the, all the, the stuff we'd usually recommend. Um, but I just – I wanted to bring this up, not to, not, to, <laughs> not to give him grief, but just to talk about – Bringing comics on vacation, which I don't, I just, I don't think it's a good idea. I, th- I th- you know, look around. Maybe there'll, there'll be comics there. You can find them. Maybe I don't like it. Maybe you're going on a honeymoon in Belgium. There's a great comic book scene in Belgium. You're probably not going to Belgium. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm here to, I'm here to stand up for comics. I'm here to recommend comics. I'm here to do that thing. They are not your best vacation friend. There it's it is. True. I said it. It's you a weakness a of the form. You made a good point. The, for the amount of weight you carry, the amount of reading time is very low. Bring a novel. There, so I agree. I agree. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been on those trips where you bring a bunch of comics, you read them all the first day, mm-hmm. and then what do you got? You got nothing. You got thirty pounds of books you got to carry back with you and pay extra baggage fees on because you bought all this T-shirt. I'm gonna go with Sweet Love and making it. Make <laughs> yeah. the Sweet Love on the beach. You know, if you're, you're, you know, and if you're gonna right, if you're gonna have a tablet or or a laptop anyway to take with you, modern conveniences. Um, maybe check out you know some like the Eisner nomination list and grab some of that stuff if you can get it digitally. 
And that way, it's a lot of stuff this year that you probably haven't heard of, is my guess. And uh, I, from people who have heard of it, I, they're very happy. They think it's some really good stuff in there. Yes. So maybe use that as a, a buying list and, and try some things out. Or what you could do is you could do what Josh did in his honeymoon get a really bad sunburn the first day. That was, day, the rest of the, that was day four. I had a cold the rest for the, of the first trip. Ooh, I had a cold for the first three days because of uh, my wife's Aunt Susan. So there you go. Tony from Los Angeles, California writes and says, as it gets closer to the June release date of Man of Steel, there will most likely be even more hype on Superman. What comics and graphic novels or runs would you consider must-reads for those who haven't, aren't too in touch with Superman? Thanks. I know what Connor's going to say. Wait a minute. How, what? How did you get a cold from your Aunt Susan? She was at the wedding and she had a cold. All right. She was the one who I remember and she like kissed me on the cheek and I was like, oh. Fuck. It was your Aunt Susan. No, it wasn't mine. It was, it was, it was it's her Aunt Susan? Yeah. Okay. Nothing fishy going on. Not really. She wasn't like the Lord of the Land, and she got to bed Josh before the before his wife did. Prima Prima Nocta. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that happened. <laughs> was that not normal? I mean you were there, you know. I was there, but I was. You busy. had to hold the camera. I think that That's almost true. happened to Woody on Cheers. I was there. I was too busy fishing your brother out of the gutter. Literally, he's not kidding about that. <laughs> My brother literally passed out in the gutter at my wedding. Yeah. All right. So Connor's not been able to shut up about Superman's secret identity. Uh, that, that is true. And I actually forgot to list that one in my little mental list. But uh, there's a <laughs> lot of great Superman stories. Uh, my favorite origin story is Man of Steel. But it looks like the movie is going to be based partially on Birthright. So it looks like it. And Birthright, which is by Mark Wade and Neil Francis Yu. That's the, uh, the S for Hope is from Birthright. And the whole thing about You're Still My Son line from the sure. trailer, which is uh, there's also Superman Red Sun for a little Elseworlds action when Superman lands in Russia and is raised by the, the communists to become a weapon against the West. And that's Miller, right? That's Miller and Dave Johnson doing interiors. That's, that's I weirdly great. like that for a Miller book. Oh, that's one of Miller's best things. It's, a re- it's really good. He's got some wins. He does. Yeah. He does. I'm, I'm, of course, uh, also our Superman, Morrison, yep. quietly. Um, then the Secret Identity, which is Busick and Eminem, where it's just Superman in the real world, which is interesting. Um, and then there's uh, Kingdom Come, which is basically a Superman story, even though it features yeah, everybody. Yeah, it's, it's basically it, it, it's a Superman tale. It's about it's about him, really. And the Dark Knight Strikes Again. <laughs> no, um, uh, we, uh, Connor, we were talking a while back. I, I think when they, they had the trailer out for the the new um, Superman Unbound, which uh-huh. is coming out next month. That animated one we were talking about, Jeff Johns. All right, all the Gary Johnson Frank stuff. action yeah. comic stuff, and I I actually I really like Superman and the Legion of Superheroes. Yes, that's a really good story. That's Superman is you know so he's in the future and he's on another planet so he doesn't have access to his powers yeah. and he has to rely on his super powered friends in the Legion and uh, that's a great book. Looks great. Superman Brainiac. Superman is also, Brainiac is the I yeah. I guess the follow up to, to, to the Legion of Superheroes. It's, I believe it's in, after it at least. And yeah. uh, there's a, a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Pa Kent dies and uh, that was the, that was a big controversy where they had the cover and he was maybe drinking beer. And they turned it into like a pop can. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman and, needs a drink sometimes. Deserves it. It's not like it's going to affect him negatively. Yeah, oh. and uh, and no, that and that's the source material for Superman Unbound, which uh, I'm very excited for, yeah. and we will so be talking some, about. Those are some good Superman books for you. It'll that'll keep you in books until June, which is when the movie comes out about a month from now. Uh, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com to get your letter on the show, or you can call our voicemail line at eight 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 fanboys, which is three two six two six nine seven. To also get the show, remember, and for both things, tell us who you are and where you're from. We like to know where everyone's from. Like Tony. Tony did it correctly. 
Rob did not. Whoa. There you go. Who's nervous? Josh, tell us in many ways. Josh, tell us about Make Comics. <laughs> yeah, there's actually going to be one this week, I promise. There you go. Yeah, Make Comics podcast for me. Is, and Andy is this the fabled covers issue? Of, uh, yeah, yeah. It was. I don't. I don't know if you guys were around Monday, but uh, there was a lot going on, yeah. so it didn't make it up. And uh, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it up this week. Uh, that's the covers one. Um, it's me and Andy Schmidt talking about how to make comics uh, from various different perspectives, uh, depending on the discipline that you choose to make them in. And uh, if you don't already have it and haven't put it in your ear holes, um, under this in the feed, uh, there's a book explode. Book explode number eight. Uh, number two in the new batch, uh, about Josh mentioned, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again, um, contentious, loony, weird. We talked about honest. that. It you was... and Josh and Jeff Reed making a podcast Reed. debut talking He's... about yeah. the controversial sequel to the Dark Knight Returns, it's... and uh, talked about it for for a good old hour, and uh, I put some bat noises in there for music. <laughs> It's a fun one. I'm actually, I'm actually, I, I think that turned out really good. It was a really, it was a really interesting and fun conversation. Yeah, and Josh is lucid for some of it. Um, other times, he says it's his favorite book ever. I don't. You, you I say don't it. Believe in there. that was expressed. Explicitly say that. I've had personal conversations with you when you've you expressed similar sentiments. It was more than that, though. <laughs> it's more than that time. He likes the moxie of Dark Knight Strikes again. I do. I do. I appreciate the the punk rockitude of it. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, check out ifanboy.com for the pick of the week review uh, and more in-depth comic book stuff and all the guys in your script stuff uh, and all the important news and discussion you topics. You did the script. You did the script. This is your I, script. Well, this is you from an old script. I, I copied and pasted. I don't And I don't know what noun it wanted there where you put balls. Uh <laughs> And, and all the important news oh, oh, and discussion. Listen, top. if the worst place that we put balls is on the script, then you should be consider yourself pretty lucky, son. I mean, you, 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 not literally, but figuratively, teabagged the script, and I don't know what was in its place. Um, go to ifanboy.com nope. slash about right. nope. ifanboy.com slash about <laughs> to see uh, the staff of ifanboy and their social network links. Follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy and stay in touch. Keep in touch on facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with your questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, and farmental noises. Please don't do that. Should we ask for ball picks? No. No. (laughs) I mean, should we just make it totally weird? That... Connor, you just went to a place that you don't normally go to. I, was, I didn't. I didn't say we. I didn't ask them. I said, "Ask should we ask for them?" I was going to say it depends, but I don't know on what. No, I'm going to go with no. Okay, that's fine. That's, that's a clarifying. that's a no win for I'm us. Anyway. What policy. if they're concerned about? Well, even well, way, question about like a lump. We're not <laughs> people to ask. I know. I, I think that in fact, in fact, I, I, no good can come of that. <laughs> yeah, we're not liable. We're not going to diagnose your lumps. Is what we're saying. I fanboy, we won't diagnose you. your lumps. We won't diagnose your lumps, colon, the I fanboy story. Someone came into in, down the garage, oh, this was years ago, and they said, uh, talking, like no, they were talking about uh, his, his swole up to the size of a, of a lemon, and he was very, you know, concerned. He wasn't making a joke. He was concerned about it because you would but be. But he went to a garage. 
Well, he was in the neighborhood, and so it wasn't so. It wasn't his first stop. It wasn't his first stop. Montgomery family fixes your truck and also diagnoses your your medical problem. It wasn't his first stop. Well, your ball based medical. It was for moral support, and I had to leave the office because my instinct immediately was to say, "When life gives you lemons." So that's it for this week's show. (laughs) Did you you used to did you used to tour that joke on vaudeville? (laughs) Vaudeville, you and Keith Giffen. That's a that's that's a that's a Gabe Cotter joke. (laughs) Nice. It's Perfect. like the, it's like the end credits of Welcome Back, Cotter. How old are you? It was on Nick at Night when I was that age. That you would watch Welcome Back, Cotter. Let's kick the show in the balls. <laughs> it's already kicked us. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Josh. Thank you for listening. How are your balls, Josh? They're fine. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> I don't want to go relatively. So far I don't want to go so far as to say they're good, but I, I don't. I can't say I have any complaints. All right. God, now I got to go to the doctor. I used to do a really good uh, Travolta impression from Welcome Back, Cotter. Is it what the one that was like a very special? He was like, "Give me drugs, give me drugs," because oh, nice. he was pretending to be a junkie. Right, and that's what he thought junkie said. He was like, "Give me drugs." There's only like seven episodes, so that's not true. There's more than that. I'm pretty sure there's more than seven episodes. There's like 70 episodes or something. I don't know. It ran in syndication for my entire life. It means I got to have at least 100. Usually. There's like seven episodes of that one Gordon Ramsay show, and they keep showing that on That's true. ABC America. Which one? The one with the purple, the, the actual English one. Uh, the, the restaurant one? Kitchen Nightmares? I would imagine it would, they're all restaurant ones. He's a cook. Welcome chef. back, Cotter, went for four years. They stretched out episodes. seven episodes over four years? They did 95 episodes. Used to yeah. be, because it's not 100 episodes anymore. It used to be. I think the classic shows, they sort of fudge it. I'm Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm stopping the recording. Just, uh...